0: Hello and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host, Kelly Crichton, and as ever, our resident TV critics are here, Stephen Ross and Benjamin Jackson. And I'm glad to say they came back this week, despite the onslaught of reality TV recently. Uh, Remember, if you want to see our faces, we can uh, if you want to see our faces, you can head over to Freeview Channel. 276 Shots which is brought to you by a network of journalists across the country who are transforming stories at the heart of your community into great TV. You'll find true crime stories, football news and analysis plus coverage of lifestyle TV film and much more. If you haven't tuned in before, each week we'll be chatting about what we're watching as well as looking more closely at a new programme or something making the headlines in the deep dive. This week, Benji is telling us about the joggernaut that is I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Although we maybe have to discuss whether it is still a or not. Finally, we go back to the future to tell you about a programme you may have missed when it first aired or streamed. This week, Stephen, has been going back into the not-too-distant past to review one of Korea's hottest TV exports of all time. Squid Game. But first, we like to talk about what everyone's been watching. So, Benji... Where did you kick us off this week? What have you been watching?
1: Well, I mean, I would like to say that I was watching Monarch Legacy of Monsters mm. on Apple TV. Mm. But instead, unfortunately, I found myself going down a, a History Channel hole oh. and ended up watching a reality series called Forged in Fire, if anyone is familiar with that.
0: Why does that sound familiar?
1: Stephen, Stephen's nodding. So Stephen might have a cursory knowledge... Is that is that with the the
2: swords? Where they, I do they not know why swords? Stephen,
1: but I was just riveted. I don't know if I was in kind of like <laughs> a, a pit of despair, and I wanted to watch some absolute carnage. But yeah, you're right. It's a reality competition where uh, you know, sword makers come together <laughs> God, and so challenge niche. whether, yeah, I know, and and challenge whether their weapon is strong enough. To withstand, or you know, to, to quote one of the judges, if it can kill or not, so they go hammer and tong, Kelly, on like ballistic dummies <laughs> with these weapons. And the beauty of it is watching some of these people, like, real smugly go, Yeah, you know, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years, and I know that my my weapon can kill. Are these something. like actual Which sword has-
0: makers? Are they blacksmiths? Or what do you yeah, call no, them? Are, I don't know. They are. Yeah.
1: I think you'd call them like yeah. blacksmiths. Um, I know I call them sword makers because yeah. a lot of the time it is. But the beauty of it isn't just watching like, oh, what can this sword do? The beauty for me was coming from, oh, that absolutely failed. Like watching them try and <laughs> oh, hit God. a sword against a pig carcass. What do you mean
0: like and taking watching the joy- sword bend? <laughs> Taking joy in someone else's misery. Come on, Benji. I believe
1: the Germans call it Schadenfreude. <laughs>
0: Schadenfreude, but exactly. I, I was just riveted. Like, on
1: YouTube, there's a whole compilation of, like, the the biggest fails from it and <laughs> me just being a bit of an anorak thought. You know oh, what? I'll jump hilarious. on the History Channel and take a look because... The History Channel seems to be quite often memed, be it this or Ancient Aliens, which became hugely memed across the internet with the guy with the weird haircut. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I will, I promise all of the uh, kaiju loving listeners out there, I will get back to Godzilla, but I couldn't help myself. It Tell was us just what it's what's it called Television. again, and is
0: it, um, I'm guessing it's America
1: yeah definitely it's called forged in fire it's available on the history channel which i believe is through discovery plus now in the uk and look if you just want to kill like a a good half an hour an hour of your time just watching ridiculous kind of carnage you know which is still kind of palatable it's not over the top like terrifier or any (laughs) horror movies like that it's recommended and then come back to me and go next week Benji, what the hell were you watching that
0: for? <laughs> I can see how you'd get drawn into something like that because it's so kind of niche and people are so, I'm guessing, passionate about their little pro- sword projects, you know. Oh, yeah. So you can tell that it's kind of car crash TV, as it were.
1: Yeah. I mean, some people like to watch the car crash TV that happens in Mastership because yes. someone accidentally yeah. scolding themselves. Yeah. So. It's maybe a little bit more of a grittier MasterChef. Don't quote me on that, but potentially.
0: But yeah, a a lot of
1: fun and a rabbit hole.
0: Oh, Brilliant, love it. Okay, Stephen, what about you? What have you been watching?
2: I watched uh, a couple of movies. Um, The other night I watched The Dirty Dozen, the 1960s war film. It was was great. It, It feels like... It may be inspiring, Glorious Bastards because it's very sort of similar thematically. It basically follows a group of um, court-martialed soldiers, American soldiers, who are facing either like 30 years hard labor or the death sentence for their, their court-martial. And they get an, offered a reprieve by joining this crack squad of, well, they, they form a crack squad of elite soldiers to basically go behind enemy lines and Take out a German stately home where a load of uh, the top brass are gathering for for some sort of event. Mm-hmm. So it's very uh, inglorious bastards in that sense, Um, but uh, with a lot more nineteen sixties. But it, maybe it feels a bit nineteen seventies. There's a little bit of black exploitation and just really good classic war drama action in there. Um, it's got. Um, Charles Bronson in and various other um, names, but Charles Bronson's probably the big one. Lee Marvin as well. Yeah, it's great. Interestingly, they made a sequel um, mm. 19 years later and the main guy reprises his role, but it's set during the same... It's still set during the Second World War. So it, oh. it takes place about four months later, but he's mm. aged... 20 years yeah 20 years <laughs> um, I've not seen the sequel I can't speak for it I can't imagine it's very good um okay unfortunately if you do want to watch it you have to sort of rent it from either Amazon or Apple TV or YouTube yeah. or, or Sky
0: I feel like it's one of those films though that you'll probably find it on over Christmas at some point you know it's one of those it, kind of classics it, to be fair, it?
2: yeah it's thinking about it. it's a very good Christmas time film in the sense of like You've got five days off or whatever. You're looking for something to do. Mm. This is a great way to kill two and a half hours. Um, very, very two and long. a
0: half hours. That's quite long, isn't it? It for is not it an old film. It is. Yeah. And
2: the, my, my one sort of criticism, maybe, is that they spend about two of those hours in training, and then the last half hour actually on the mission. But the payoff's pretty good. Yeah, okay. I, I very much liked it.
0: Okay. Anything else? In any other films? Um,
2: I watched Blade Runner 2049. Oh. That was...
0: Is that the most recent? Yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah.
2: The, the sequel, yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't necessarily like the the whole point of the first Blade Runner, which I didn't particularly care for, but the whole point of the, the ending is that we don't know if Deckard is a, a robot or not Mm. whether he's just a human blade runner Mm. and the sequel kind of destroys that mystery yeah but the film i thought was i preferred it to the original i thought ryan gosling was great in it Dave batista has a really unexpected role because i'd never seen it before and Mm -hmm. it's been out for what six or seven years i'm surprised that i didn't know that Dave batista was in it Mm. um but he is he's in it the beginning. He's got a very good role. Um, He's actually a really good performance. Like, a lot of these former wrestlers who turn into movie stars are not very good at acting, but Batista's actually pretty good at it. Um, But yeah, this is also a very long film, about two hours 40 or something. Mm. Um, But it's got a great cast. Anna De Armas, Harrison Ford, obviously. though less Harrison Ford than than I expected. Mm. Um, I think they probably made hay out of him in the trailers. Okay. Um, Mm.
0: Another, another, You'll probably find Blade Runner on over Christmas at some point as well, isn't it? It's another (coughs) yeah, You you
1: have to have it over Christmas, don't you? (laughs) Which version are they going to play? The one with the commentary or the Mm. one with uh, Harrison Ford doing the narration that he hated but did well? Or the one that he didn't do the narration with that didn't do well? But, you know, film buffs believe is the quintessential version.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I'd say I haven't seen Blade Runner for... 25 years, to be honest with you. (laughs) I probably watched it as a teenager, like, um, okay, right, well done. You're very much catching up on some old films there, Stephen, so why not? My TV life this week has been all over the shop. Uh, But the one thing I wanted to talk to you about was Boat Story, which started on Sunday night, which I kind of happened across. It's new BBC drama, Sunday night. And it is Wild. I like because I knew nothing about it. I when I watched it, I was like, What is going on here? So it's got it, it's like it's like watching a Coen Brothers film, or or like it's got a touch of Tarantino about it. It's gory and violent, and there's like this narrative voice that goes over the whole thing that is kind of like it's telling a fairy tale or something, you know. And here's Janet, Janet is doing this thing, you know, and it's it. it completely unlike anything I've ever seen in that slot on a Sunday night before. Um, but very enjoyable, I must say. Um, Daisy Haggard plays Janet and Patterson Joseph plays Samuel who are two people walking the drugs on the beach one morning. They don't know each other. They find this uh, boat that's been shipwrecked and there's lots of drugs on it, basically. And they, you know, they take a decision in that moment to take the drugs and, you know, they see it as life throwing them a bone or the universe throwing them a bone. And, Anyway, as you can imagine, there's implications when you, you know, find millions of of pounds worth of drugs. So um, without going into too much detail, the other person to mention is one of my faves, Czechy Cario, who is, you'd know him as Baptiste. Baptiste. Um, And he plays the tailor, who is essentially the French guy, the drug lord, whose drugs they have stolen. And yeah, it's quite... As far as I know, it's quite, it's more than six or eight episodes long. So it's going to, this one is going to go on and on and on. But um, really enjoyed this, really enjoyed it. It was really different and, you know, dark comedy. So lots of laughs in there, despite lots of gore. Um, Yeah, so that was good. So otherwise, we had Big Brother Final, which was great. We had Barsic is Back, which is also great. Benji, we're going to go over to you to talk about I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. I don't even know. Are we like... Is it 21 years in or something? It's long. It's running a long time now. Ant and Decker back in the jungle. I did watch the first couple of episodes. So let's have a chat about it. Tell us.
1: Well, I come into this as someone that's never watched I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Uh, I've never really gone out of my way to watch it. Because yeah. I, I, don't not know, I guess I kind of. Well, no, I think that I, I don't find any of the cast members in there. Likeable, and I say mm. cast members because let's be honest, it's quite performative at times what mm. they do. Mm. Especially, we'll get to Nigel Farage very yeah. shortly, won't we, Stephen? But yeah, I I I really really can appreciate if people out there love this show because mm. you know it's kind of debauched. You're wandering what's going to happen next and everything like that. Mm. But please don't normalize the machinations of politicians that go in there before Mm. I go any further. Mm. Just Farage knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. and we'll get to that. But I wasn't aware that they don't even get dropped off in the jungle to begin with. They have to do tasks in order to get into the jungle. So... Uh, good old Nige, Nella, who was an influencer, and Josie Gibson. They were all partnered together in order to buy some time by sticking their heads into holes with snakes in it. You know, the usual affair that you get. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, Marvin Humes, Nick, and Jamie Lynn Spears, who was already a panto villain the very moment Twitter saw her appear on the episode.
2: What, yeah, What? Sorry. Not to interject, but I I've not watched any of this season, and I've heard that Jamie Lee Spears is like the villain, and I have no idea why. Is this because of something from before? I'm a celeb, but
0: I've come at it from a different point of view as well because I don't know that much about her. I know she's Britney's little sister. What yeah. I've I haven't seen much of the floor because I don't follow much of the chat about it online. But I just found that she was a bit annoying, especially on that second episode I, where yeah. she was feeling a bit sad and everybody was like dancing attention to her. She she was like a little princess. Everyone was looking after her and drew a bath for her and put her in the bath and sang her songs. And it was a bit mad. Um, so I just it, felt yeah. like she was being a bit moany and a bit attention seeking and a bit princessy. That's my only take on her. Not anything to do with her past or who she is. Or I know she doesn't get on with Britney. Maybe that's why people have vilified her. Is that the... Is that the background? Maybe
1: there's a part of that. Maybe it's a part also that she's not kind of thrown herself into it. Like you yeah. mentioned, Kelly, there's a bit of kind of like passiveness about her being on the show. But it also doesn't help that there are booking odds now how long she's going to last and how oh, much money she will okay, make just okay. before she walks out. Mm. So and then you had the final members, including Fred Syriax and Sam Thompson, who admittedly... I got a bit of a soft spot for watching Uh it. I think Uh he's over the top exuberant. Oh my God. Exactly what you need.
0: The first night with Sam, I was like, he is going to annoy me so much. I was like allergic to him the first night. But by the second night, I was saying to my husband, you know what's going to happen with this guy. He's actually going to be really endearing because he's just like a child. He's like a little boy. He's uh, he's like a golden
2: retriever boyfriend,
1: isn't he? Oh, like when he comes walking into the camp, Stephen, and goes, oh, oh my God, there's a bath. I can't believe it's like, I I, I can't (laughs) believe it's bigger than I thought it would be. Like, yes, the jungle is quite big. Definitely. And he's totally
0: stalking Marvin Hume and like trying to learn all his songs and his dances and everything, which is actually getting I mean, annoying the, as well already.
1: But That guy has to be careful because he's got two bromances, hasn't he? He's got the one with Marvin and then there were rumours that, oh, could the bromance between him and Nigel Farage occur?
0: Which would be the best buddy cop movie I would ever oh, watch in my, my life. Fred was interesting, I thought, the first. Now, I haven't seen the most recent one. I've only seen two episodes, I say, but or three maybe, but I thought Fred... You know, you're talking about being performative and Fred would be someone that I would quite like on TV, you know, but I felt like he straight away went for the juggler with Nigel. Like he was putting his stamp down about what side of Brexit he was on straight away, which wasn't maybe necessary that quickly, you know, if he has to be in that space with him and be peaceful, you know, and get on for whatever amount of time. I'm not sure why he went at him straight away. I thought it was a bit much, you know, as much as I dislike Nigel Farage myself Um, and I completely agree he shouldn't be in there. um, I thought Fred was maybe a bit over the top on it. What do you think?
1: When's the next opportunity that he's going to have in close proximity to Nigel Farage to ask questions that Nigel can't run away from would be one aspect of it. But I do feel sorry for Fred because he caused a bit of a, a... Well, a bit... Is an understatement. He caused a massive commotion in the Tuesday night episode oh. where they were talking about Nella, who is that influencer in her early 20s, about how old she is. And Fred mentioned that he was, I think he's 52, and made a comment, just just an innocuous comment, ladies and gentlemen, about I could be old enough to be your father. And then Nella just completely loses the plot and like. How dare you? You know that my parents are dead. What What's are you insinuating? It? And just went for the jugular. Are like- you chalking? No, I wish I was. I wish I was. Now that aspect of "I'm a celebrity," get me out of there. I can understand why people are into that kind of massive weird. drama. And let's be honest, Kelly, as as vintage Big Brother viewers, me back in the two thousands, yeah. you recently, yeah. we we love a bit of drama. We mm. love that kind yeah. of when it all kicks Conflict. off. But mm. but you know, it just really went from naught to ninety immediately, and then. Just to go back to the Farage comment, I think he knows he's on a TV show and he knows how to play the game, you know, where everyone wants to see him vomit or, you know... Somehow, kind of soil himself during one of the Bush Tucker challenges, and he did the uh, Jungle Pizzeria challenge, which mm. was pizza with you know the armada Disgusting of bugs.
0: Things.
1: Yeah, and he just just sat there casually yeah. like he, he, knows was just, doing. Know, he knows what he's doing. He knows
0: what he's doing. Having a pint at
1: the pub, a yeah. silk cut cigarette, being a man of the people. But interestingly, he his contract means that he can't do some tasks, and he also, I believe, it was revealed today that. He's kind of sour that he's not being picked for the tasks because to be in a challenge, to be in a trial, 25% of your television time, which means 25% more royalties mm. for you being on the air. So mm. so in that case, don't vote for Nigel Farage to be in a Bush Tucker trial. Don't. Let, let him not get that payday.
0: Um, I saw that their audience had fell off by 2 million. And to be honest with you, I'm very close to switching off because he's on it. You know, and I probably only watched it for the first few nights for this to talk about it on here. And now I'm like having to make a decision about whether I'm going to watch it or not because I think it's disgusting he's on there, the damage he's done to this country. But, you know, Matt Hancock was on a couple of years ago. He's done a lot of damage to this country too. Like, where do you draw the line? Who, you know, what is... (laughs) What is entertainment? What isn't entertainment? Are we being duped? I mean, I quite enjoyed some of Ant and Dick's uh, jokes about Farage. Oh, like, they yeah, are he's... really taking the mickey out of him. Like, you know, so Definitely.
2: I don't know. I think if you're a sitting MP, maybe give it a miss. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. Han- um, that Farage isn't. Hancock obviously was when he yeah. went in and Nadine Dorries, etc. Don't think they should be allowed in. And then with Farage, I mean, he's going to attempt to be a sitting MP. I, I imagine he's using this as a launchpad to either yeah, rejoining, yeah. rejoining the Tories or rebranding himself. And yeah. I mean, if yeah. he's trying to rebrand himself, I don't think he'll come back with reform because they're incredibly right wing. Yeah, But he might try and come back to like the new centrist Tories or something. I'd, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'll work.
0: Okay. Right. Well, we've probably given him enough airtime as it is. So uh, yeah, thank you for you that, know. Benji. Are you going to keep watching?
2: Yeah, I'll
1: keep watching because it's the closest... But ever since they banned, like, putting people in stocks and throwing rotten vegetables at people, this is the closest thing we've got, isn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> ITV1,
0: ITVX, weeknights, 9pm. Okay, cool. Thank you. Stephen, we go over to you now to talk about Squid Game on Back to the Future. Tell us about where very little time because we were so obsessed with it. I was never going to get me out of here. But tell us, if people haven't heard about it, what's it all about. Also, tell us why... We're talking about it because I believe there may be a hook here. Mm. Yes,
2: so I, I always really well think out my features. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this week it is Squid Game because at the time of recording, Squid Game, The Challenge, the sort of reality TV spin-off has just launched mm. on Netflix. So that is all available to watch on Netflix now, yep. as well as the original series. So Squid Game is a South Korean thriller drama dystopian anti-capitalist thing which is essentially it's a world where South Koreans who are desperate for cash or desperate for a variety of reasons from getting in with Korean gangs or loan sharks etc take part in this squid game and it's a series of really brutal dangerous and deadly game shows where essentially the last man standing wins the payout at the end and 400 and something people take part in this show and you follow it from the perspective of one of the competitors. At the start, they don't realise what kind of a show it is Mm -hmm. and then when people start getting butchered by machine gun fire, it becomes apparent. Mm -hmm. And there's a very interesting part in the first season of the show where all of the contestants are given an out and told, if you don't want to come back, then you can just leave the show now. You know what it is, you know what the stakes Mm -hmm. are. And then they sort of realise that they are desperate enough to go for it and they vote to continue in the show,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: even though they're risking sort of life and limb. And then you face off a series of increasingly sort of gruesome challenges. There's one where you have to sort of jump over these glass platforms that are raised 100 feet in the air and there's a 50-50 chance that the one of the two platforms you pick to jump onto will snap smash beneath you and you'll plummet to your death. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty horrible. There's one where you have to cut out a certain shape from a piece of honeycomb, and if you fail to do it in a given time limit, or if you snap the shape you're trying to cut out, you will get shot in the head by the people managing the game. And then there's some sort of subplots throughout as well. Yeah. It was a really good limited series. They are bringing it back for another series, which I don't think there's any need to at all. I think the the setup for the second season at the end not betrayed the show, but was totally unnecessary. And then, of course, you have this new reality TV spin-off where people take part in Squid Game-like challenges, Mm -hmm. but without any of the... Stakes, Death. death. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the p- prize pot is massive. The prize pot's like $5 million. Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's a hefty prize pot. Yeah. It's kind of weird because I thought the whole point of the Netflix show, the original show, was look at how degrading this is yeah. and yeah. how awful capitalism is that you would have people parade around for money. Now, obviously, when you take the death out of it, it does become less degrading. Yeah. It is still a bit...
0: Do you know, I think it's like, it was such a runaway success. They're like, oh, we're going to have to capitalize on this.
2: (laughs) Well, exactly, exactly.
0: It must have been one of Netflix's biggest.
2: It was, yeah. It was 1.3 billion hours streamed or something from the first season, which made it, at the time, I think the most streamed show. And then I think Stranger Things. Plus it was...
0: um... COVID times wasn't it so everyone was sitting at home watching television
2: it was one of the great COVID era shows like um, Target King and and, uh, Squid Game that was they were the sort of top two I guess I
0: think that one of the things that really caught people's imaginations was the fact that most of these games were children's games and we all would have played a variation of these games as children so it was that kind of juxtaposition of such violence and death with like simple children's games but anyway yes yes and the main character the main protagonist wasn't that likeable person so you found of sort of being for him but like also kind of disliking him and yeah, it was quite complex in that sense. Okay, yeah, definitely recommend. It's great. I mean, if they never did another series, it was great. And it's not one where you'd be like, oh, I want to see another series because it is self-contained. Yeah, but watch out for that. That'll be coming down the line as well. Okay, thank you, Stephen. Thanks for joining us this week. Do look out for Friday morning Screen Babble Weekend Watch, which will preview what to watch This weekend and beyond if you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives drop us a line via our social media you'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible we'll be back next week with more Screen Babble bye 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 bye
2: oh bye